You're listening to EVH and Gear TV, brought to you by Design39 Media. Visit design39media.com for all your website, photography, and video production needs. Microphones for EVH and Gear TV are provided by Rode Microphones. An official Van Halen merchandise is provided by vanhalenstore.com. And now, here's your host from Ontario, Canada, EVH artist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, happy Tuesday to everybody. We are here live with the Kramer Corner and joining us all the way from, I guess you're over in Peru, is that correct, Charlie? Yes, Lima, Lima, Peru. Char- Charlie Parra is with us, Kramer artist, guitarist extraordinaire. It's very nice to have you here. And we had some technical difficulties earlier this evening. We got them kind of worked out. Uh, but hey, I, I got to see you at Winter NAM uh, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, whenever it was now. And I did not know much about you other than being a Kramer artist at the time. And uh, I have to say, I, you were not what I expected. I expected just to be complete shred fest and one of those things where it's like, you know, arpeggios from start to finish all, all day long. And it was very tasty. And I was very, very impressed with your performance. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. I, I truly do. It, it was great because, uh, you know, when you're at NAM, I, as you know, too, walking through NAM, all you hear is the Guitar Center solos all day long. You know, everywhere you go, it's shred, 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 shred. I love it. And don't get me wrong. But the ears can only take <laughs> yeah. so much of it, right? You know? Yeah, me too. I I actually am a, I'm a big fan of, of shredding, mm-hmm. to be honest. Uh, uh, let me say just something in Spanish, uh, a little something in Spanish. Amigos, voy a hablar en inglés. Voy a, este, toda la entrevista, así que este... Cualquier preguntita la ponen en el chat. <laughs> well, um, actually, I'm a, a big fan of, uh, of shredding. Um, if, if I have to choose like a, a shredder that I, I like how he shreds, just shredding, mm-hmm. uh, I would say like uh, I like Michelangelo Baggio. Okay. I, I think that he's like a, a shredder. That's that's what he does. That's like a speed guitar, you know, like speed kills, speed leaves. That, that's what, what he's doing, right? And... Um, but definitely, I like to to put like this balance on guitar players. It's like my other favorite guitar players are uh, Slash and Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes too. It's a pretty like uh, an '80s '80s uh, kind of uh, influence, you know. But the thing is that what you just said really made me uh, really happy because you just said that uh, it was tasty. Mm-hmm. Because actually, um, uh, most uh, most of the stuff that I'm doing is like arpeggios, you know, it's like, I only know probably three leaks. It's like arpeggios and pentatonic stuff. And, and once in a while, a, a bluesy thing. But, uh, I try to keep like a balance because I, I've, I've heard a lot of guitar players from my generation that have dedicated their entire life to be like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of it. But it's like a, something like excessive. It, it, I don't think it's that cool. First, because it, I don't think it sounds really nice. And besides, you might hurt your fingers if you do that <laughs> for five minutes in a row. But um, that's something that I think uh, pretty much there's this debate of guitar players of my generation or, or my friends or the people I grew up with. Uh, there are the, the guys that are pretty much into really slow guitar solos, really emotional and everything. There are the guys that are into uh, fast guitar, speed guitar, and there are the guys that are into fusion, uh, gas fusion, and all this stuff that that has uh, become really popular actually lately, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. So it's like everybody's debating about it, 
That's right. Yeah. I'll give you a little comparison. And while I tell you the story here, can I get you just to tip your camera down towards you a little bit more, maybe towards your chest a bit more, just a bit more so I can get your head in the shot hey. a bit more. Yeah, that's that's getting better for sure. So what I like about the way right. you, nice. the, the way you said this when you talked about, you know, always shredding, you know, like, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's people that do it really well, like the Ingve mom scenes. And, you know, there's a million other people that can do it. But I like to look at it, too, like a race car taking a Porsche or a Ferrari through a winding mountain road. You know, it's nice to take a Ferrari at about 180 miles an hour, um, you know, but it's also nice to go around those winding roads and slow down to 5, 10 miles an hour on a corner and then just floor it again. And you have to be able to know how to tie it from start to finish. And like you do with your guitar playing, you did that one video the other day. I shared it. I really, really enjoyed it. It was a minute-long video, and it was um, 10 of the 80s riffs in, 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 ten, in one minute. And you went from everything from, you know, typical Eddie Van Halen to Slash to, you know, uh, arpeggios. And not too many guys can tie that all together and still make it sound like I keep using the word tasty, but you made it very tasty. Oh, thank you so much. I, I truly appreciate it. I, I really dig the, the fact that um, that you enjoyed this kind of 80s uh, style guitar, because I, I pretty much believe that I, I it's like a, an opinion that I have, but I, I believe that the 80s was probably the decade where the pyrotechnics of guitar exploded, right? I agree. Like, uh, it, it's like a post Eddie Van Halen in the 70s. I, I have a lot of books, uh, actually uh, a lot of books about guitar from the 70s and 80s. And uh, they talk about how much uh, Eddie Van Halen and Momstein changed everything for a lot of people and what would happen if Randy Rhodes uh, was never in that accident and, and you know, stuff like that, like like when the guitar stopped being just pentatonic. That's you right. You know, like it started to explore a lot of different sounds and techniques and everything. Speaking of pentatonic, do you do you follow do you follow Oz Noy at all? Do you follow his playing? Who? Oz Noy. Kind of fusion. Maybe maybe the pronoun. Maybe if I see the name. Uh, on, if I read it, maybe yes, but <laughs> no problem. But it, he 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 does a lot of fusion stuff. But I was watching a video the other day where he took simple pentatonic scales, and and made okay. them made them sexy. You know, basically by kind of like even a step further than what Paul Gilbert does. Paul Gilbert's one of my heroes as well too. But it's you oh, know nice. just instead of just too. yeah instead of just putting on a metronome and doing a simple pentatonic uh, riff, he was actually kind of like skit scat skit scat with a pentatonic scale. And it's nice. it's so cool just to see how something in a simple format can be taken outside of the box and make it you know very interesting like that. But but yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about. We're gonna say hi to a bunch of people in our chat here in a second. We got people tuning in from all around the world. But nice, you know, I I have to I have to admit the only time I knew about you was you know word on the street about your about your name. I knew your name, hadn't heard your music one bit, and then we happened to be in the booth at Gibson when you were playing there. And, uh, you know, I was familiar with your guitar, which we'll talk about with, with the Kramer signature. Um, but was, look, we were there at the right time. We got to hear you play. And I was expecting, like I said, the shred fest, just, you know, and then I was telling uh, my, my son was there, Eric Jr. And we were hanging out with another, nice. we were there with a friend as well, too. And we were like, whoa, from the minute you started playing, you know, you you tied every structure together and it just floats nice. But a question I had, I thought I could be wrong. And I was watching some of your videos that you did from Nam as well, too. Did you have any kind of um, interfaces like for your phone or iPad or anything like that, like any of the modeling software or any? Did you have anything between your guitar and your amplifier that was like digital? Yes, actually, I do. Uh, the thing is, uh, there is this uh, company called Positive Grid. I know them. They do a lot of uh, amp modeling and software for for recording, actually. 
monthly recording software. And the thing is that when they started, uh, I was at the peak of my YouTube uh, popularity for, for seeing it like that. Mm -hmm. That was like probably uh, five or six years ago. I was on tour actually with uh, supporting Fear Factory. And uh, they actually sent me a prototype of their softwares. Okay. And I, I found them uh, like the most useful tool for any guitar player who has to go overseas. Because it, that's what, what you saw. Actually, everything came out of the iPad. Wow. Absolutely everything. The backing tracks, the, the, the effects, the amplifier. And um, it's, it's a very complete software. It's definitely not, I believe that it's definitely not the same as a Tube M, because here in, in Peru and Colombia, which is our territories that I that I perform with all my gear, uh, it's it's totally different, definitely, because I here we have, a, uh, I, I have text, I have um, access to bring all my stuff, like my, my paddle board and everything, but I cannot do that every time I go overseas or every time I go to the States because of some, um, uh, I don't know, the customs. Yeah, yeah, know? for yeah, sure. It, you know? So uh, the, the thing that really saved me for saying it like that was uh, this app. I have performed with this, uh, well, at NAM. I performed with this in Mexico, in Colombia, in France, in Germany. I actually performed at Hellfest at an alternative uh, alternative stage yeah. and I just brought my my iPad and my guitar <laughs> straight to the PA and everything went like huge it's hard and to believe the funny thing is what the other guy that was playing with me had like his paddleboard and his tube amps and everything and the sound guy was like dude I kind of prefer your iPad now <laughs> <laughs> but I, I believe that it's a thing of uh, maybe experience because I actually People don't don't know this, but I've I've been doing this for a really long time. The thing is that I uh, I my YouTube channel kind of exploded uh, kind of recently. Mm -hmm. So that that's how actually I, I met the people of Kramer and Gibson too. Yeah, they really reach out through social media. There's no doubt about that. So I was correct, and I thought I saw some. I was pretty sure I saw something. I wasn't sure what it was, but I'll I'll share a story with you as well too. That is how I got into the digital digital modeling world. Positive Grid was the first company that I worked with, um, and I love them. I still love them to this day. I started with the free that's, stuff like that jam. Cool. Yeah, and uh, I got the uh, you know the um, Positive Grid uh, amp, all that stuff. Um, got the jam up. That was the first one I very start, started with. The uh, Positive Grid effects, all that kind of stuff. And I like it to this day. But before that time came, I was so anti-digital that you know it had to be a tube amp, had to be a pedal board. You know, it had to be all the best voltage. And um, it's really, really come a long way. I work a lot now with Line Six. You know, but everything out there is good. Kempers and the head rushes and all that stuff. Obviously, positive yeah. grid. I imagine you could probably show up and do radio stations and things like that as well, too. Plug in with, at a radio station for an interview and do some playing. You know, with yes, the, that, that actually what you just said is it uh, when when I started playing guitar, it was kind of uh, the death of analog pedals mm -hmm. and it was the death of tube amps. Everything was about the everything was about line six and Digitech. Yes, and. Uh, the Boss GT, I, I don't remember, but yep. I think GT10 or something. But I do remember that the main the thing was digital. You had to have or your D-Tech or your Line 6 pod. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And I, I actually used the uh, Line 6 Pod for years, for years, until I started uh, trying tube amps mm -hmm. and pedals. Um, and the, the pedal that got me into analog stuff was the MXR GTOD. Okay. Uh, have you tried that one? The GTOD? No. GTOD. It, it's a green pedal. It's actually really, it's actually really cheap. Okay. And but the thing is that from the time I used it, I, I couldn't stop using it. Like to this day, I use it, and I, I pray every day that this pedal doesn't stop working because <laughs> it's gonna. It, it gives the 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 amp that uh, I don't know how to say it. It puts it like tight and crisp and you know beefy at the same time. It's a really cool pedal, and it's pretty affordable. What's your what's your choice when you have the luxury of having all your amps and everything there? What is it, Marshall, or use an orange, or what do you like to use? I um I do not have an amp at, at home, like mm -hmm. a big amp, yep. to be honest. I have an orange practice amp, and everything else that I have is <laughs> it's digital actually. But I have I do have a lot of analog pedals. However, I use only four pedals for for live shows, <laughs> like the basic uh, chorus delay. Uh, my booster and the GTOD, and um, however, when I perform live here in in Peru, and when I uh, have toured outside of Peru, and I have the access to to request for an amp, I've always uh, go for the JCM two thousand, okay, and JCM nine hundred from uh, Marshall. I used to love the JCM eight hundred, but I think that. Um, I find it too. Uh, the presence is too high. It's too shiny. I don't know how to, yeah. to define it. <laughs> it's like a little bit too much. I used to have the high, the JCM nine hundred high gain dual reverb, and I really wish I would have went with the master volume version. And I got rid of it. I bought it. I bought the head brand new head and two four by twelves, and I wasn't getting the sound I wanted. Back in that day, I was using a Yamaha. I forget what it was. It was a half rack system. It was an SPX something. SPX fifty, I think it was. It was like a half rack. It was kind of a small version of the old famous SPX 90 that a lot of sound guys would use in their racks. And, you know, at that time, I was playing a Stratocaster into that. I think I might have had an MXR Distortion Plus or something. And I just wasn't getting my Eddie Van Halen tone that I really wanted to get out of it. So I sold it. And I think I went down to like almost like a crate or something of, the, you know, garbage. You know, I shouldn't say crate. It, it sounds kind of far from, uh, I don't know, the 5150. Yes. Like a... Uh, what uh, one of my best friends who actually plays with me in, in the same band, it's called uh, Diphonia. Mm -hmm. He actually just bought a uh, 5150. And the other guy that plays with me in Massacre, which, which is my other band, has a 5150. Nice. And uh, for what I see, you have an EBH behind you. Yes. Right. So um, when I ask them about uh, this amp, everybody says, like, is the perfect, the perfect amp for heavy music like for hard rock and for heavy metal what, what are your thoughts about it it is for sure and i've had a few guys on my show that are extremely metal um like extremely metal like you know you know ryan uh, fluff bruce right you know uh yeah. rest and beards well he's been yeah. on the show and he's metal um and he he's, I, he's, I, a, he's a he's a really tall fucker i met him in I mean, in them, he's yeah. really tall. I he, was like really impressed. I was like, "Hey!" I I, I said hi to him. I, I I follow his channel. Yeah, I really like his he like the reviews he, he does for um uh, for pedals and gear and everything. He's really cool. He is he's really good. good at 
I, I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was saying he really enjoyed the PV5150 the most for metal. A lot of guys in, in the metal uh, world were using the PV1, and I've had many of those. Um, and then there's the new one. So there's like there's three or four, uh, I guess there's what, three generations of this one. I have the first generation of the, if, the when Eddie went to Fender EVH gear. I like this one the best. I really do. Uh, there is this one. There is the Stealth, which came next. And that one I didn't really like too much. Some of my friends play it, and they love it. And then there's the EL34, the newest one that just came out. Um, but I like the gain, the the rhythm channel of this one better. Um, it, it tends to have that punch and sizzle that uh, is, is quite nice. But I don't use it much anymore. Like I said, I just use the digital. But I want to ask, you talked about you know all these 80s influences that you have. You were born in, what, 1985, right? I was born in 1985, yeah. Yeah, so, so you were basically, we're going to talk about Van Halen for a second, you know, David Lee Roth is now just out of Van Halen. Sammy Hagar is coming into Van Halen. Fifty One Fifty is about to come out. I mean, the, you. I mean, you were born at the heyday, like you talked about, of of, of shred and and eighties metal. I mean, all this stuff. Um, you know, like uh, Doc and and Dio and you know Warren Van Halen. You know, all this stuff. Um, you know, White Lion, Rat. I'm probably missing a bunch of other good ones. Uh, you know, Guns and Roses, of course. So, yes. so it, do, did you uh, automatically gravitate to the Eddie Van Halens, and did Eddie Van Halen have a big influence on you? Uh, the thing is that uh, we're talking about, I was born in Peru mm-hmm. in 1985, so there was no internet. Right. There was, there was no internet. So most of the stuff uh, from the, the States or Europe or whatever would arrive in Peru pretty much late. And uh, <laughs> and besides being late, uh, Peru was going through a pretty pretty rough times. Uh, there was a lot of uh, economically, everybody was having a really bad time. It was probably the worst uh, president in, in of all time, probably. Okay. I don't know of all time, but at least what I remember from the eighties in in Peru, my childhood, I remember everybody was having a really bad time, and that includes music because. Uh, everything would arrive late uh, to be able to buy something, uh, maybe a, I don't know how do you say it, a LP or how do you call that the, the smaller the smaller vinyl? A forty five. A forty five. Mm-hmm. It was real expensive. People would uh, prefer to buy food instead of buying uh, a vinyl. It was really rough times. Luxuries. However, there was there was this TV show in Peru. Uh, that used uh, it, uh, Van Halen's jump mm-hmm. for like probably four years or five years. <laughs> I don't think Eddie Van Halen knows anything about it. Yeah. But they used the song like the keyboard riff yeah. was all the time there. Wow. And I actually pretty much love the, the keyboard riff. And I never listened to the whole song until I was probably in my early teens. And uh, that's how I actually became a fan because w- when I was pretty much growing up, everything was about punk pop and new metal. It was like uh, guitar solos were dead in, on the mainstream music. Nobody was playing guitar solos. It was uh, uh, when I started uh, play, playing guitar, it was practically um, uh, Pantera did not exist at that point. They, they recently broke up. So when people wanted to get have access to heavy music or guitar-oriented music without internet, we had to go to these places, uh, pretty much uh, th- these underground music stores. Okay. And and 
that was the only way back then. And that's the thing, like after listening to uh, guitar music, like, I don't know, um, Guns N' Roses mm -hmm. and Van Halen, uh, I wanted to listen more and to watch uh, documentaries and stuff. And do you remember that documentary, The Decline of the Western Civilization, yep. part two? Yep. After watching that documentary, I knew about Megadeth. Which is which is fun because Megadeth was the only uh, heavy band of, of that documentary. Most of the bands are like hair bands, right? Yes, exactly. Do you remember uh, there was a band called Odin in that documentary? I forget that one now. I, I, <laughs> okay, I, okay. But the thing is that I recognized the guitar player from Odin at NAMM. Okay. And I, I told him, hey, you're the guy from Odin. And he actually told me, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty not. I he told me like I'm not so sure if I'm happy that you know me because of that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not his best accomplishment. Yes, maybe, maybe. But that that's actually how I I got access to to uh, guitar oriented music. I had to go and find it to underground stores and everything. Right now, it, it's amazing how you just type a name on YouTube. For example, you put Rat, mm -hmm. and you have you have even access to every live show they gave and documentaries and stuff it's it's amazing it's i find it to be a really really good thing but also as a, a, a bad thing and i'll tell you both way my reasons for my my uh, story here i think the good things are you know all the young people like yourself some of the young charlies if you let's say you're eight years old but you're born in today's time you can go on the internet and you can learn how to play the guitar you got all these people teaching you different ways good bad and everywhere in between uh so that's a good side of it but then the bad side of it is you, you know everything about your bands and your heroes and all these kind of things where there's no mystery anymore. Like back in the day, yes. like when you maybe idolized Van Halen, you know, you weren't getting this news. You know, one of the one of the guys in the band could quit and leave and you might not know about it for a year. And then when you hear about it, you're shocked, right? You're like, whoa. It's like, like wrestling kayfabe. Yeah. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's and, like the, the, the mystique. It's kind of gone. That's right. And I, that's why one thing I do kind of like Van Halen today for this. A lot of people hate Van Halen for the sole reason that they don't talk in the press. But I also like them for that as well, too, because, you know, it's a mystery. It's like radio silence until the last minute of the, of the you know, the last hour. All of a sudden, boom, here's a press release. And then the whole world is shocked again. But, you know, that would back in your time, too. Like, we didn't, you didn't have a lot of these bands touring your areas. I know Van Halen only did, you know, a, a very short uh, South American tour. Um, and, and even I have some friends in England that, you know, I asked them about Van Halen and they're like, well, no, Van Halen isn't really big here because they didn't really tour here in their latter, latter years. So it's, it's really changed for us, but I guess it's a good time now. If you're a guitar player out there and, uh, you want to learn, you've got people all around the world like yourself and all these other great guitar players that are just a click away. Yes. And actually, uh, uh, one of the things that I think helped a lot my my career was definitely the internet mm -hmm. uh, that's how I got in touch with a lot of uh, of the brands I'm working with now a lot of the shows I have done uh, uh, outside of Peru too and it's fun because before uh, before YouTube I was already I was already working as a musician here in Peru like 10 years before that Wow <laughs> so I think it was pretty productive for for me. But for about the mystique thing you say, yeah. it's like uh, I don't know, Ingve Ingve Mamsin. Have you seen the memes yeah. people make about? <laughs> they're even. I making... think they're really fun. I, I know. Think they're really fun. Yeah. Some are really disrespectful, but you know, it, it's all about 
having a, a little laugh. Sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. And he laughs at himself. I mean, he he totally laughs at himself. I got to go see him in the uh, uh, the um, Generation Axe concert. They played near my hometown here a few months back, and, and a, a few friends went together. And you know, we got to watch them all play. And you know, he's completely like he'd do a guitar solo. He'd be looking at his, you know, doing a riff, looking at his watch, and uh, you know, maybe I keep it going, whatever. It was it was funny. But even the crew, even the crew teases him as well too. Like the, he he accepts it. He knows people are kind of pointing fingers and laughing sometimes, but he's laughing back with him as well too. And he's Ingve Momsen. He he can do it. He can do it, right? Yeah, he can get away with yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Like uh, I don't know, uh, Nuno Betancourt. He was there as well. Actually. Uh, he performs the play with me solo. Yep. Like doing, he performs it and he's like, like, yeah. It, it's amazing. It's like there's people that take years to play that solo. I know. It takes months to practice that solo and get it right. And the guy just jones about it. Yeah. He's really awesome. He's a great guitar player. I think he's pretty underrated. Oh, for sure. I'll say one thing about him that we're going to jump over and say hi to a whole bunch of people in the chat. But um, I obviously I followed Extreme growing up as a kid, and I tried to play some of Nuno's riffs and stuff like that. You know, tried to cover some songs, didn't do very very well. And so we had on that tour we had uh, Nuno, Zach, Tosnabasi, Steve Vai, and Ingve. Uh, familiar with oh, from, yeah, familiar with all of them except for Tosin. I didn't really know. I knew about as much about Tosin as I did about you. I just knew the name, knew knew he was great, but did not couldn't say I know, heard a song. So I, I really became a big fan of him. Um, Zach Wilde, I knew everything he did with Ozzy and his own thing, um, but I didn't really d- dive deep into studying Zach. It's just, he was there, he's great, awesome, but I never studied him. But Nuno, and Steve Vai, I love Steve Vai to death. I actually, I even stopped listening to Van Halen for a couple of years and listened strictly to Steve Vai when Flexible come out and Flexible Leftovers and all that kind of stuff and Alcatraz. I was just in a uh, Steve Vai rabbit hole. But Nuno Betancourt won me over, and as far as my opinion, he won that show as far as the talent and um, just the raw hunger and energy he had. It was insane how good he was. Yes, and he's a pretty low-gain guy. He right? is, yeah, and, and very percussive. I, as you did, you know, you did some of the kind of uh, some kind of Nuno-esque riffs in some of those videos you've done recently too. Very percussive and kind of like the um, uh, the the slash uh, and you got slash and Nuno a little bit of that stuff. Very percussive and quick. Yeah, uh, Nuno has this thing that he's done doing a uh, string skipping. Yep, like really cool uh, strings keeping our pages just like uh, Paul Gilbert yes but the thing is that Nuno does it with very uh, I don't know maybe the game is on three yeah. or four and he gets them like pretty right pretty tight pretty good that's something I guess we could probably uh, give a tip to some of the younger generation that are trying to do these things instead of trying to hide your flaws and I'm guilty of doing it too I do it as well Turn your gain on 10 plus 1, you know, so you can hide your mistakes when you're trying to do these arpeggios and stuff like that. Worse, keep, worse. keep it clean. Yeah, then it's, it's easy to bring your gain back up as you get good, you know. But I think you should start with it um, almost next to nothing, uh, even to practice acoustically a little bit and get that uh, precise and then add some sparkle and some sizzle to it. Yeah, that, that's something that pretty much a lot of guitar players do is that they put their gain to uh, 1 to 10. They put it on 10 mm-hmm. and on that... Besides that, they add overdrive on it. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, uh, I don't know how it's, it's possible to get a, a good sound of that. Because I, I think it's so saturated and uh, it, it's like the, I don't know, I, I don't think they got the concept of uh, that it's an overdrive, that it goes over the drive. That's right. The That's right. It's, it's just a little help, a little help for it. 
I think that's where I think that's the only reason I think people can point at digital modeling, any modelers out there, and give it a bad name because um, what people can do, we have all these tools at our fingertips. Just because we can put, you know, uh, five Mesa boogies and fourteen metal zone pedals in a row, doesn't mean that we should. You know what I mean? Of course, of course. There's, yeah. There's actually a video about it. Uh, have you seen uh, Jared Dines' channel? Yep. Jared Dines. Actually, he has a video where he actually plugs every distortion pedal he has at home. <laughs> and it's pretty curious how it goes. It's almost uh, the, the final one, the final part of the video is almost you cannot understand what's happening. It's like pretty much almost white noise. I'm going to have to check I, that I one really out. Like, uh, that, I really like a lot of, of his stuff, of Yaradine's stuff. He's good. I know. Good guy. I know you met him at Nam, and I'll tell you a funny story that you'll love as well too. He was staying in our same hotel um, when we stayed in Anaheim, and I saw the other guys uh, from his band. Uh, they got in the hotel in the elevator first, and then we went up to the next floor. And Jared gets in the in the uh, in the elevator, and my son's upstairs sleeping. He was day one of Nam, and he was just wiped out. He was tired. He's snoring at three o'clock in the afternoon. Or maybe later than that. But anyways, uh, so I said, I got in the elevator and there's Jared. And I said, hey, Jared, uh, I know I'm not crazy. Don't don't call the police or anything like that. But I said, my son is your biggest fan. I didn't say that. I'm just joking with him, whatever. But I'm like, hey, my son is sleeping. How would you like to come up and wake him up and scare him? And he's like, you want me to come and scare your kid? I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. So he did. And and I got I got all nervous. I forgot where we were going. So let's say my room number was 101 on the fourth floor or 404. I went up to 504 and I'm like trying to break in my door and it wouldn't open up. I'm like, oh my God, wrong door. So I went back downstairs and we're filming this at the same time. I have the video of it. I posted it today on Twitter. And I said, hey, Junior, hey, Eric, do you know who this guy is? And he wakes up, he's wiping his eyes. And there's Jared standing over him. And he just like went completely like, oh my God, it'd be like me meeting Eddie Van Halen as a 12 year old kid, right? It was just insane. And he's such a cool guy, you know. He's a really nice guy, and uh, we have done a lot of. That's pretty, that was pretty intense. Uh, he's a. We have done a lot of uh, YouTube videos, like online collaborations. Yep. And um, actually, uh, we're doing one more for this year. Uh, I'm I'm releasing an album, and he's going to take part of it. Actually. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes. I, I had a phenomenal idea when we were there, and I'm not going to say the word because the word I would say on YouTube might get me, me you know, a, cop, a strike or something on here, but I had a video idea, and I was going to try to run it by Jared while we were there, but basically, um, Jared Dines goes missing while at NAM, right? And then, you know, one of those type of videos, and then, of course, we have we have him held in our, in our room, whatever, um, but we didn't, it, it never panned out, so to speak, but we did run into him about four or five times. But let's jump over to the chat. We got a whole bunch of people. Some people got questions for you as well, too. So I'm going to run through this. Uh, we've got our friend Guitar Hack, who's a great YouTuber as well, just stopping by to say hi. Todd Graff, Brad Miller's here, Gary Holt, my good friend from California. Nocturnal Butterfly is my better half who posts links throughout the chat and keeps the chat running uh, efficiently. She's sharing all your hi. links today. Yeah. Um, Gmasker76 is here. Jeremy Bringas is here. Angel Ruiz. Uh, that name sounds very familiar. Um, Chris Link is here. Alejandro Mendez is here. Tone Bolts is here. Night V and Charlie Para fan here from Australia. Very, very nice. Nice. Yeah. Australia. That's pretty far from my place. I bet it would. I truly appreciate it. I, I bet. I bet. Uh, Quentin James is here. Another uh, big fan of Shred. Let me see here. Um, Ank Bibi. Hello from Germany. Very nice. Uh, and I'm probably pronouncing nice. it. Nice. She's my friend. Okay. She's, she's a... Am I pronouncing that right? Ank? Anka? I don't. I don't think it's Ank or Anki. Anki. Or oh yeah. Anki okay. 
Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not the best. I was. I could say Bob Jones incorrectly. Uh, <laughs> it's really bad. It's a Canadian thing in me. I think. Uh, let me see here. Sean Close is here. Warren Hughes is actually uh, another uh, fresh Kramer artist. He added to the roster. He's uh, he's here. He says, uh, "What's up, Eric and Charlie? Everybody, a great great shredder. Check him out. Really really oh, good. Nice. Yeah, he's he's shred. He's Here's he's ready. Yes, full shred. Uh, tactical six string is here. Um, and I think Alejandro might be asking possibly if, if I if some of us speak Spanish and I I don't myself. So I apologize if I won't be able to translate anything. Uh, let me see here. Let me scroll back. I missed something. I'll try to get back to where I was. Um, let me see here. Very sorry for the delays. Uh, Delvert, hello, Charlie. Greetings from Nicaragua. Very nice. Delvert, nice. nice. We see we're, we're, we're tuned in from all around the world. Um, Scott Connor, Mauricio Martello Aliaga, uh, and I can't I can't say what he's saying just because I don't understand Spanish. I'm sorry, uh, but thank you, Mauricio, for for tuning in. I appreciate that. Um, let me see here, and okay, and uh, Angel uh, uh, Angel Ruiz is from Peru as well. I'm a fan from Peru. It's very nice. Uh, nice, compatriota, mi paisano. Uh, Lars Guitar, everyone. Let me see here. Paul's a hoot and a monster. You talk about Paul Gilbert. Yeah, Paul Gilbert was on the show a few months back, and he was teaching us some riffs while he was on here, which was really cool. Great, great player. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and it was really funny too. He was he was drawing on this chalkboard behind him. He had like now he uses chalkboards behind him for his lessons and stuff. And so he drew these Marshall amplifiers. And so we're doing a test call like you and I did earlier. And he's at he's playing his guitar, and he says, "Is that too, is that good? Am I too loud? Whatever." I said, uh, "Turn up your mids on your chalkboard." And he goes. He goes back to actually touch the chalkboard, and he was going to turn his mids up on the chalkboard. He goes, turn up the what on the what? And I made him laugh. It was really funny. Yeah. He's a good guy. I, I actually got the chance to be a support act for, for him. For, Great. For Mr. Big, actually. They came to Peru on 2017 or 2018, and actually we had the chance to be the, the band to support him and, and Billy and the whole bunch. It was really nice. It was cool. Were they the tour manager was kind of sketchy, but it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> what did they did they enjoy your playing in the band and stuff like that? I don't know. We just uh, say hi and that that was it. Yeah. But I I, I stayed for quite the uh, large part of their set because I wanted to see Paul Gilbert's uh, guitar solo. That that's pretty much what I was <laughs> really interested to watch, and it was really awesome. That's the highlight of, of a Mr. Big Show, that too, and obviously Billy doing his crazy stuff as well too. Yeah, they're, they're both so good. Uh, let me see here. Don Shepard is here as well too. I think I might have mentioned that. Uh, let me see. Doing good in the chat here. This is good. Jensen Bell, this is awesome. We've been wanting to see an interview with Charlie for a while. Great job, Eric. Thank you. No problem. Yeah, I don't. I was looking for some interviews of yours as well too, because whenever I have a guest on the show, I like to kind of get in the zone and the mindset and learn some things that I might not know. And I didn't know a lot about you, as I told you earlier. And I didn't see a lot of English interviews. Uh, I, you haven't? Have you done many English interviews? I have done very few English interviews. Yeah. I done one for a. Uh, no, actually, I have one in Japanese. Yep, saw that one. I have, yeah, in Japanese, in Turkish, and um, and and the Gibson interview. That was a that was in English too. Yeah. But most of the interviews I've done have been in, in Spanish. Um, that's the thing. Like I say, I was trying to find more information about you, and I was like, okay, this is going to be this is going to be tough. I'm on my own on this one. But I have to give you credit as well too. When you told me off the air, you know, uh, English is not your native language. You were doing yes, phenomenal. You were doing you're doing better than me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I, I used to play a lot of video games back back in the day. Okay. 
Yeah, they they helped me with a lot with my English actually because there there was not an option to put it on Spanish back that, then. That's right. Now that, you can. That's right. Yeah, before you couldn't. All right, yeah. let's let's talk video games a minute. What kind of video games did you play? I I pretty much like old school stuff. Okay. I like a uh, Super Castlevania Four. Oh, right on. Uh, Super Street Fighter Two. Uh, I'm pretty much a big fan of Duke Nukem, Doom Two, and actually uh, the guys from Duke Nukem. Uh, for their anniversary release, uh, I made the music for their trailer. I made like a guitar version of the Duke Nukem theme. Oh, that's awesome! And, uh, yeah, and for the Capcom guys too, the Street Fighter Two guys, they asked me to to use my uh, one of my my versions of the Ken's Dem from for that stage. I have worked with Blizzard too several times. The guys from World of Warcraft and Overwatch and Diablo. They actually, I have performed in a lot of their, uh, a lot of their uh, release parties, and when they go to uh, doing festivals, I go and perform for them, which so, is real nice. I actually take my iPad to perform with them. Who would have thought all these years of playing video games would pay off for you like that, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I, I think that the last, the last ten years have been real crazy. First of all, because I would never imagine that I would be working with my favorite video games, franchises, mm -hmm. or, or having a signature guitar, or uh, hanging out with rock stars. Yeah. Or, uh, but probably the the two times I was really starstruck, uh, there, there have been three. Uh, when I met Robbie Krieger, mm -hmm. that has happened twice, actually. And, uh, well, Chris Jericho, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so meeting him in on a backstage in in, way, in back in the UK it was really nice. And actually, meeting Slash was the best thing because he's actually like my main influence. Uh, believe it or not, it's he's like probably the reason why I, I said okay, I, I maybe I should become a guitar player. And so meeting him, the funniest thing is that I didn't meet I didn't meet him on tour. I didn't meet him on the states or Europe or an airport. I met him 20 minutes away from my house because I uh, our band was being a support act for him. So he was like the nicest guy. It, it was so starstruck that actually we did not have a picture together, but we have a quick video. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a ride. And, and now having a, a signature guitar with Kramer, the NAM experience, it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. That's what I was going to go next was talking about Kramer. Um, so obviously having a signature guitar is great with them. I mean, it's a dream come true to even be on a roster. I don't have a signature. Um, but can you tell, maybe take us through the story of how, like you kind of mentioned, maybe it kind of happened through YouTube or whatever, you know, all these companies start to hear about you and see you. Tell us like uh, when you become a Kramer artist and uh, maybe how that journey went from, you know, meeting them and to becoming an artist and getting your own signature. Um. Everything started on 2000, 2010. Uh, me and my band, uh, Diphonia, we performed at Altavoz Festival. That's in Medellin, in Colombia. Mm -hmm. That's my second my second favorite city in the world. And um, I actually performed with my band, and one of the Gibson guys was there. And he saw me, and he was pretty much interested in, in working with me. Mm -hmm. The thing is that when he asked me, uh, okay, let's do something together with Brand. Uh, where are your international tour dates? And uh. I did not have any international tour date 
back then. Yep. No international tour. I told him I'm I play in a local band. I I perform pretty much in in uh, stages locally. So what happened was okay. We're not going to be able to work for the work uh, this time. And then the YouTube thing happened. I went on tour. Uh, for like 80 cities in the world, <laughs> which was a really long tour. And that's actually how I got in touch with uh, the guys from Kramer. It was like, hello again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that actually started a, a huge thing because uh, after being endorsed by Gibson and Kramer, I got endorsed by EMG. I got endorsed by Dunlop. I got endorsed by uh, Dean Markley. Then I got endorsed by Positive Breed. Then I got endorsed lately by Ernival. And uh, it, it's been a lot of I, – I, who would say that I would have so many beautiful endorsements? Mm -hmm. And um, the thing about Kramer is that uh, they were – actually, Gibson was – they were having really rough, rough times uh, the last uh, few years, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So um, – I actually knew that, and I actually saw that the best thing I could do was just being loyal, you mm -hmm. know, being loyal and just... I agree. You know, yeah, it's like, I, I pretty much believe that loyalty, it's basic for everything, you know, at work, with your band, with your, you know, your partner, mm -hmm. it's basic. It, that's something that I've been learning constantly every year, and I think that loyalty to... Mostly to what I what I love that is playing music. It's you know uh, doing good things for me and for my friends and for a lot of of uh, kids that are actually from Peru that or South America. I, I get a lot of messages from kids from Peru and South America and and telling me it's amazing to see a, a Latino doing this kind of stuff and having a signature guitar and touring and playing in big stages uh, lately i actually got uh, to support judas priest wow. with my band uh, massacre and actually i got to meet richie Faulkner and rob halford the nicest guys nice the nicest guys and richie's a gibson uh, guy yes richie was i i actually told him richie you, you i gotta tell you that you're a really nice guy and he told me i tried to it was really nice, <laughs> nice. it was really, really nice and uh it's it, the the thing about Kramer and, and Gibson. It's like I, I feel pretty honored to be a part of that family because uh, it it's quite an experience going to Nam and the the best thing was to see my guitar there and seeing people shredding on it. Yeah, it's pretty much. I I was like I can't believe this guy is playing my guitar. I can't believe these guys are like enjoying my guitar. And every time somebody buys the guitar. Uh, some of them sent me the picture of, of them with the guitar. The last one was in Kuwait. That's how you say it, Kuwait? Yep, I, that's how I would say it, yeah, Kuwait, yeah. Yes, Kuwait, and I was, like, really shocked. There was this guy with my my the, the signature guitar, and I asked him, hey, guy, uh, thanks a lot for sending me this. Where, where are you from? And he says, Kuwait. I was like, how does this guitar appear in Kuwait? Yeah. That's, like, really far from from yeah. Lima. <laughs> I know. Well, sometimes it's hard to even find him in New York City or places like that sometimes, you know what I mean? <laughs> of course. It's, it's uh, it, what has happened to me a lot in, in the States. It's that 
actually some people kind of recognize me from the, the older videos. Okay. Uh, YouTube videos and stuff, and they're like, uh, hey, you look exactly like that Brazilian guy, Charlie Parra. And I'm like, I, actually, I'm Charlie Parra, and it's not Brazil, it's, it's Peru. There you go. And they're like, oh, man, I thought you were taller. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> I'm, I'm better looking than him. <laughs> that guy's not as good yeah. looking as I am. That's <laughs> yeah, hilarious. That, that's a pretty common phrase that, that I listen every time I, I go to the States. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like people say to me, too. They'll say, oh, did you lose weight? And they see me in person. And because the camera adds, you know, it's hard to tell how tall you are, especially in videos. And then, and then yeah. I've had several of my friends say, "Did you lose weight?" I'm like, "No, it's just a camera. You know, it's, it's hard, hard to get a, a picture." But you know what you said was really, really important, and, and this is some advice we can try to share to some other up and coming musicians too. You know, you know, like you say too, when the, the artist rep is asking you how many international dates do you have and that kind of thing, and it is changing now. Back in the days, like in the the '90s, 2000s. You know, you'd you'd contact an artist rep and you'd say, you know, our band would like to seek an endorsement, and they would ask you how many how many tour dates you do a year, uh, what do you do overseas, how many volume of records do you sell? That was back in the day when you'd sell records. Um, how's merchandise sales? How many spins are you getting on radio? All that kind of stuff. Now the forums have turned out. How many YouTube subscribers do you have? How many uh, uh, Instagram subscribers do you have? And it's almost completely different what it used to be, right? But what you yes, did, you you had patience, which was, you know, so they talked to you first at Gibson and you said, kind of waited out, whatever. So you had patience. You remained loyal because here's another thing I'll share with people. People don't, you know, it's like you, they always say don't burn bridges, right? Um, but a lot of these artist relations people, I, I have a friend that's worked at three companies, um, at, at three guitar companies that are well-respected companies. And, and so they go from company to company to company. Maybe they get a better raise over here or maybe not enough money here or maybe just a better option over here. So they'll move in their career. Um, all these people know one another. You go to the NAMs and they're hanging out and shaking hands. They all know one another. So if you, re if you really give a bad taste to company over here and then you go to get a, an endorsement over this company over here, um, they talk, Right. And yeah, you, you, your door will be shut before you even get there, but you waited on it. Um, a small example here is a company that uh, supports our channel is Rode Microphones. I'm speaking into one right now. Once my channel started to grow a little bit, I had a lot of these Chinese microphone companies contact me. Like, not a lot, but I'm going to say five to six different times, different companies. Hey, will you do a review on this microphone? Blah, blah, blah. And some bigger ones too. And I just said to them, I said, I, I, I always am polite and I'm grateful and thankful. I'm just like, thank you so very much. I appreciate the offer, but I, I can't. I have a good relationship with, with this company, and it, it won't make me feel comfortable at the end of the day to do that. I don't care if you send it to me for free or not. Um, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? And and that helps a lot. Definitely. for Yeah. That, that's kind of a sneaky, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. like, like something, I don't know how to say it. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know if illegal is a word, but it's not it's not right. It's integrity. It's, it's just it's integrity, I think. Right. Yeah, it's, it's integrity thing. For example, there's something that I, I'd like to mention now that, that we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. Actually, I, I use a lot of Dunlop uh, Plectrums. Mm -hmm. Dunlop Plectrums, Ernival yep. Plectrums, the latest uh, Dunlop Plectrum that it's like an, an Andy James model. Okay. It's a really good plectrum. Or I want to mention my friend Rens Hendricks. He, he's got a a company from the Netherlands. He's a he's a young uh, craftsman, and he makes uh, these plectrums that are actually um, a mixture between the Jim Dunlop uh, Big Stubby, okay, 
and the Ernie Ball Prodigy. And it's like a mixture of both of them. It's like a prototype. It and looks like it's got a groove in the middle, too, for a thumb. Yes. It's probably one of the best plectrums I ever tried. And I want to give that shout out to Renz, what, because he's really awesome. Actually, he made me not too many of this. Yeah. <laughs> That's why every time I perform with this and, and, you know, the fans are like, hey, Charlie, do you have a plectrum? I, I cannot give them this. <laughs> I cannot. Because Only so this many. Is really, like, yeah, it's really special for me. But uh, I just wanted to say that because he's actually uh, seeking, you know, to do his stuff. He's a really do-it-yourself guy. Yeah. And I pretty much believe that most musicians right now should should be doing that and not expecting for a record label or a manager or anything. That's right. It's a totally different time. And that that's something that I saw from a lot of, of people, of, of my friends. Lots of them uh, just waited for things to happen or thought that because they had a powerful contact, uh, they were going to do something about their careers that that hasn't happened at all to any of them. Most of my friends that are in the music thing are, uh, are pretty much hardworking people. Exactly. Of course, people people party a lot. Mm-hmm. And people people get really, really smushed, <laughs> smashed your face and everything. But people are really hardworking and everybody is so passionate about it. And I, I pretty much believe that that's a fact that if you're surrounded with hardworking people, you're going to work really hard, but if you're surrounded by pretty lazy people or people waiting just for things to happen, maybe that's not the right influence. Yeah, the bar gets lowered for you and you just become kind of that person. Like I always say, uh, it's a kind of a, an analogy I say, you know, when you go to apply for a job, um, and you're you're on your best behavior. You got your hair pulled back in a ponytail for us guys with long hair, and you're, you're nice and clean. Got your good shirt on. You got your deodorant on. You're smelling good, and you're really there to make a good impression for the job. You get the job, and then they're like, okay, now I'm gonna put my feet up on the desk. I'm gonna drink beer while I'm at work. You know, you should always you should always be interviewing for the job. And I and I find the same thing with whether you're in music. You know, let's say you get a record deal. You know, getting that record deal back in the day, I um, was you know one was different today as well too, but. Getting it and keeping it, you know, you're going to be a one-hit wonder, or are you going to produce? Or if you're not a record seller, maybe you're just, you know, um, a product uh, specialist and you're demoing products all the time. You know, you got to keep it up because there's a million other people uh, vying for your job, and you always got to be interviewing. In other words, always be. Um, and I think, and the internet too has brought a bit of a self entitlement to people, where everyone has this. I, sh- I should be entitled to this because Charlie's got this. I should be able to have it, or as this person over here has it, so I should have it. But what have you done, right? You have to work for it. And a lot, a lot of times when you're not looking for things, they'll come your way. And I think that's going to be really good for you with this guitar pick um, company that you have your friend there. I think it's going to be good to having someone like you to be the champion to promote this pick. You could be one of the first artists to take it to, you know, uh, a big name. And I think that'd be awesome for him as well, too. Oh, I hope so, because I, I truly believe that uh, it's a pretty small, you know, it's a pretty indie company, mm-hmm. definitely. But I think that after trying his his stuff, I think it's really awesome stuff. I truly, I truly have a lot of faith on him. Yeah, and that's why I gave him the shout out. I think that you know small brands uh, also have like really cool stuff, and you get to see that in Nam too. Nice, They're really awesome brands there. Really awesome, like small brands. Yep, and uh, they have a pretty. Um, 
how do you say it? They're pretty passionate about the, what they do. Mm-hmm. They're not really much into break, making a breakthrough guitar or breakthrough pedal or whatever. They just do it because they love it. Passion. That's pretty admirable. It's passion. It's like pretty much what my 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 career is right now oriented to making the the music I like. Because when I when I definitely started with the channel, it was pretty much uh, it was turning into not music. It was just internet content. Yeah, and that's something that I kind of hated for a while. Yep. So I stopped uploading material and I dedicated myself just to perform live and touring. And well, now I I am uploading videos again, which mm-hmm. is really cool. And I'm pretty much based on what the people suggest. I always ask like. Uh, I always say at the end of the videos, thanks a lot for watching the video. Don't forget to like and share. And don't forget to leave a question, a suggestion, an insult, yeah. or a comment. And actually, people does that. They comment, they insult, they suggest. It's really cool. That's that's it's the really thing. Cool. Even even if it's an insult or a dislike, it's all real human interaction. And you know, sometimes oh. you know, sometimes it might be a punch in the jaw, but it's still interaction and it's still it still assists. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, and actually, that that's a uh, I, I get a lot of comments and uh, messages on the, my Instagram uh, message. Uh, I get these comments like from people, from kids, telling me, "Charlie, there are these guys that are hate, that hate what I do. They're always giving me negative comments and stuff like that." And what I tell me is, it, like, it's a part of it. You don't mm-hmm. play rock and roll because you want everybody to like you. Mm-hmm. It's, that's how it's supposed to be. If you're doing this, you do it because you like it, not to be liked. And uh, some people actually get that. And yeah, <laughs> some I know. people don't. They want to, you know, uh, being radio friendly or I don't know. I pretty much don't know. Some people just do whatever to to get the likes and the endorsements. Yep. Well, you know what I think is, I mean, you may not be a Kiss fan. I'm a Kiss fan here, um, not as much as I am. I, a fan. Love, I love Kiss. Okay. I, I actually met Ian Simmons. Well, that's what he I was going to talk the, about. He was the manager of Cobra and the Lotus, the, the band I used to play with. Isn't that something? Wow. Yes, he's, we actually, I got to meet him once. He was really nice. And uh, I actually, I used to smoke cigarettes back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do not smoke cigarettes for more than two years from now. Good. But I remember at some time at the party, I had this cigarette, and there was Gene Simmons. Okay. And I grabbed the cigarette, and I said, hey, Gene. And he said, Charlie, tell me, who's this? And I did. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> he just looked at me and did this. And oh, he just no. went away. Oh, no. But at least I'm going to tell that to my nephews if yes. I have some. <laughs> Well, what I was going to say about him is the fact that uh, he measures success on how many how many people hate him. If you're doing well, if you're if you actually if you're if you're not hated, you're not doing your job good enough. You know, honestly, that's a good one. yeah, that's a good one. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. You got if you're not hated, you're not doing a good enough job because people will hate you because they want to be you. They can't be you. Um, you know, and whether you're an artist uh, like a, a painter, uh, a sculptor, a guitar player, a famous athlete. Um, actor, you know, whatever it is, you know, there is a lot of that territory where people, they just can't achieve that. They've tried and they failed. They think it's easy. And then that's what brings out the hate. But, you know, it's, it's good that you're a role model for these younger kids. 
my son here who's only 12, he does, he deals with it phenomenal. He'll get some of the nastiest comments on videos. Um, his channel was starting to take off for a while and was getting, getting some, like kids I think are the worst. Adults can be just as bad, I think. But um, he's got a good head on his shoulders and you just got to, you know what? It's, hey, you just, you just, you're jealous of my content. That's all it is. Move on next. Keep doing what you're doing. Of course. It's a, uh, you cannot stop doing your stuff because of someone else. No, that's it's right. right at home. It's like, I don't know, having a girlfriend that doesn't let you sing your friends. Yeah. It's just something like that. It's, yeah. uh, you cannot stop what you're meant to do and what you want to do because of, you know, something external, uh, in, just with the exception that it's a physical thing or a familiar or something really, really tough. But yes, I mean, what you said is pretty much something that I, I, I like to think. It's like if people don't hate you, if, if there are no haters, mm-hmm. something's wrong. Something's really wrong. That's right. That's right. I remember some of my of YouTube, some of my YouTube friends were like, you know, they they're like, oh, I don't have any haters, and but and then they're like, oh, I don't want to get a hater. I'm like, yes, you do. Trust me, you do. When you, you get those first hateful comments, you can find like, okay, I'm onto a good career. I'm onto a good career now. <laughs> oh man, I have this. Uh, there's this guy that comments my channel every single day. He's like, he, I have like, I don't know, like 300 videos mm-hmm. in YouTube on my yep. channel. I think he goes back to other to the same videos and to comment and comment again and comment again. It's really I uh, I haven't blocked the guy or anything because I find it really interesting. Sure. It's, yeah, it's I can't believe that he comes back all the time. All that energy he's using on your channel. Yes, I find it fascinating because every view counts. <laughs> every I know. Comment does too. Of course. And by the way, I got to say a huge congratulations to you on that channel. For people that don't know, and we've already put your link in the channel here as well, and I've got it down in the description as well too, but three quarters of a million subscribers, 750 some odd thousand, like three quarters of a million subscribers. Can you believe that? I actually cannot believe that because when I started the channel, I wasn't thinking of subscribers or right. or likes or anything. I just wanted to make videos for my friends. That That's how we, everything started. And it's done phenomenal, so so well. So that's something you still want to keep going. Obviously, as you want to do YouTube, I know you said like now you're kind of having fun getting some videos back up and stuff like that. But it's something you yes. st- you want to continue with YouTube for many years to come. Of course, definitely. I'm doing uh, I'm 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 doing some cool YouTube stuff and some collaborations. And well, the new album is definitely going to be available on YouTube. Like it has to be an audiovisual experience. Yeah. So that's how it's going to be. That's good. I'm looking forward to that for sure. We've got some links to obviously your Facebook uh, page as well too, and Instagram too, so people can find you that way. Let's jump back over to Thank the chat for a quick. No, no problem. Jump back to the chat for a second because I think there's a couple questions uh, in there, and then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, some of your thoughts on the uh, Kramer guitars that were unve- unveiled at NAM as well too. Uh, so over in the chat, we've got JJ's House of Jams here. Uh, Zach Thong is here. Marsman, uh, Gary Holt, Guitardit, uh, Charles Green. Uh, Dalla Baladeras, um, you are the best, Charlie. Um, let me see here. You're the mejor, Dalia. Gracias. Muchas gracias. Uh, thank you, Dalla. Uh, Quentin James, uh, he used to use, he used the SPX 90 in the loop for delay. That was, that was kind of the sound man's, uh, processor at one time, the Yamaha SPX 90. Bobby Clipper is here. Uh, let me continue scrolling down. I know there are some questions and I probably, I don't scroll fast enough in this chat and I think I might've locked it up. So I'm going to go backwards a little bit if people can bear with me for a moment. Uh, let me see here. 
Sebastian Valencia. Um, and Anke says, uh, you're such a good vibes guy, Charlie. Can't imagine anyone can hate you. But it happens. That means Charlie's doing a good job. It happens. Um, the American uh, Kai is here. Let me see. Scrolling back a little bit more. Uh, Candace Clark, Charlie Parra is proof that hard work, respect, and loyalty will take you places that entitlement never will. That's very well said. That's from Candace. Candace, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. All the hacks here from Peru. <laughs> Gracias a mi amigo Sebastián Valencia de Arequipa. Creo que ahí lo mencionaste. Awesome. Um, let me see. Janice Lala's here. Jack Shane Martin here. Hey, Contrary, love the stream. Keep up the great work. Thank you so very, very much. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Ricardo Mendez official. Charlie is the best. Let me see here. Uh, Tom Boltz, Tony Fuentes, I think is here as well too. Mi colega Ricardo, de Ecuador. Tony is yeah, really este. good. Um, Okay, so I, I let me see. I'm just trying to. Um, yeah, Gary Holt says kind of like Eric meeting Kramer. When we're talking about meeting Jared Dines, I got to spend three days in uh, Los Angeles with Gary Kramer, obviously the founder of Kramer. So we yes, did, I, I saw that. Did you I see it? it? That's awesome. Oh, thank yes. you. That's cool. It was a real experience. Like it's kind of hitting me now when you're there in the moment. Yeah, as you know what it's like, right? It doesn't hit you because you're there in the moment. Then you get back, you're like, oh my god, I met Slash or I met you know so and so. Yeah. It's like like a legend yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty cool Living but a lot of people just don't know but the people that are you know that follow the brand kramer obviously it's it's quite the legacy you know yes of yeah of course. awesome brian cote is here as well too another friend who's a great player here in uh, in canada and a great youtuber as well too i i thought there was a question i'll try to find it but in the meantime let's talk about some of those new models that come out aljon gave me an interview um, just before NAM, it was a week before NAM. I think the Wednesday prior, and we we were talking about it. And obviously, we saved that video and put it up, and it wasn't supposed to come out until the Wednesday of NAM. And then one of the other websites kind of leaked some information. So Aljon says uh, he contacts me at the airport. I was stuck in the airport, and he says, "Eric, just put the video up, go for it." But um, you know, we got the Jersey Star out now. Well, we've got uh, obviously uh, the Night Swans back. Uh, some nice Bredas, uh, new eighty fours. Uh, what were your thoughts on? Did you get a chance to play some of them? Yes, I actually got to play all of them. Good, good. <laughs> yes, I did, I did. Um, I, I actually have an 84 at home, yep. a bullseye one, like the Twisted Sisters 808 I used to have. Mm -hmm. And, um, and well, the only B-shaped guitar right now for Kramer is like the Night B, like mm -hmm. the, the Charlie Parra Night B. We're actually going to work on something new for 2019. And uh, I, I got to talk a lot with the Kramer people about it and because this is quite a revival. This is quite a revival. And being a part of the brand and being, I don't know, I've been with the brand for like, it's been like six or seven years for, since the first time I talked to the guys in Kramer. So it's almost a decade. Yeah. I cannot believe that I've been working with them almost, almost a decade. It's really nice. I forget oh, who nice. I forget who asked in the chat, but there was there was a question for sure asking if you were uh, going to be doing something new uh, with them, any new guitar. So that you've kind of answered that question. Um, so that's that's very cool to see that you're going to be doing that. I, I think the lineup is is here to stay. 
um, you know, coming out with like, well, Aljan was on my show about a year ago, close to a year ago. And, you know, we're kind of talking about, uh, he's been on a few times since, but, you know, tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want to see. And people are starting to say, I want this. I'd love to see the Knights one. I'd like to see this. And sure enough, look where we're at, you know, a year later. And, um, and, you know, sometimes people are still complaining, well, I'd like to see this and I'd like to see this. But look what we got. We're getting these things that, you know, we're lucky to even have the brand here today still. Um, and I think each year we're going to see another uh, big release and big release. And I mean, speaking of big releases, Gibson wasn't even at NAM last year. And look at this. They show up like this year and it's almost like mini NAM and themselves. Like Gibson could have been a mini NAM. Yes, of course. It was like uh, one of the most visited booths. Uh, it was a huge place. Uh, the stage was really awesome. It was a really intimidating stage. Uh, but the guitars, everything. I tried to play almost all the, the guitars that were there. I tried to play all the guitars at NAMM, to be honest. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, <laughs> but pretty much I was staying at the Gibson booth because of the performance and because I was, you know, hanging out with the, with the guys of the brand. And, well, the, just like you said, it was like a mini NAMM, like a small NAMM themselves. Oh, it was a really intimidating experience performing there. I can imagine. It always, it always is. It always is. You know, it's it's different that and performing with my bandmates mm -hmm. that are around me. There's like an interaction with my bandmates and the audience. I know. But this time it was like uh, the audience and myself, and that's it. No comfort Maybe zone. Maybe once in a while with the sound guy. Yeah. That's it. No more interaction at all. That's it's really intimidating. That's why years ago, you know, when I retired in music, I would never go out to the karaoke bars or even a, like an open mic night because if I didn't have my bandmates there as kind of my comfort zone and a safety net, if I made a mistake, I could kind of hide behind them and let the bass player continue or something, you know, so I, I can only imagine. And, and that's in a bar where there's probably maybe a half a dozen guitar players uh, at best, but you're at NAM, where 99.9% .9 of the audience is a guitar player or want to be a guitar player. You know, yes. and, and the pressure level, you got all the guys like standing up in front. Okay, here he comes, shred fast, right? You know, but you did it, man. You nailed it. And at the very end, you're taking pictures with the crowd, and you, there was not one uh, frowning face in the crowd. Everyone was smiling. Thank you so much. Actually, I was really surprised because um, it's it, to me, every time I perform uh, outside of Peru, where, or to a place where I, it doesn't speak my native language, it's like, I, like the Hunger Games, it gets tougher every time. It gets like I arrive and there's an other people, there's uh, another stage, there's another, you know, it's it's another place. To me, it's like another planet. So the the first time it was tough because it's just what you say. I, I the first time I performed there, everybody was like, uh, everybody was a guitar player. Everyone there was waiting. What is this? Uh, south american guy going to do here mm -hmm. at this show and this time it was even it was surprisingly better i found it better i felt like i don't know i had a different vibe it was really good it's not that the other one was bad but this one uh the the the, the final the picture with the crowd it, it told me everything it told me like everything did good yeah that's right i i had this green light on my eyes so i couldn't see the faces so i didn't know what was going so on you just kind of keep your fingers crossed everything was going to go good well i have a feeling there's probably a lot of people there like myself maybe not a lot but maybe a few at least that had not, no idea what to expect 
You know, like, so they didn't know you. They didn't know what you're playing or what, what they're going to expect, you know, a shred fest or blues or whatever. And you gave them all of it. And I think a lot of people are just were like, kind of like, what did we just experience? You know what I mean? Like, I think, it, like seriously, I think people are kind of like, what did we oh, just man, experience? I truly appreciate it. Yeah. No, I it was, truly it was cool. appreciate it. It's, it, uh, it was a great experience. I, I having the, the final moment where I used, I started, you know, shaking hands with uh, there was this little middle meet and greet mm-hmm. that made my whole the whole trip was that moment for me i couldn't believe like you know when people appreciate your work it's yeah uh, it has it's priceless it's pretty priceless i can't i cannot hide how i i could not hide high how happy i was about that it was a great moment. You could tell. I, I saw you interact with the fans because I stayed and I, I watched you get off the stage here and I saw you interact with the fans. You were saying hi to us as well, too. And it's like you weren't one of those guys who was like, okay, get me out of here. I'm done. I want to get to my car or my hotel room or whatever. You were hanging out with the fans and I really thought that was awesome. I really did. Oh, thanks. I I, I, I pretty much believe that that's a part of it. It's, a, it's, it's something that doesn't not happen every day or every weekend. So. Yeah. I, I tried to do my best, and well, it it was a great moment. I, I there were people that telling me, "You got that?" But yeah, there's a bug. There's a giant moth. Did you see it? That was pretty much a Miyagi thing. What you did? <laughs> I got this. Yeah, the fans yeah. didn't see it. The fans didn't see it. So what <laughs> what are you talking about? There's a big giant moth that just flew by, and I did one of these, and I got it. So I had to switch cameras so you didn't see the death of a moth on screen. <laughs> Miyagi. I guess yes, I saw it. <laughs> I saw that. He's gone. He's gone. Anyways, carry on with your story. Well, um, I that's pretty much it. It was like uh, I think that it was like a mission accomplished. It was a mission accomplished. It was like the first. The, this time was, I felt so relieved because the first time I performed at them, I performed after Robbie Krieger. Oh wow! So that was the whole pressure of the world was on me. And <laughs> it was really intense, but the best thing was that I got to meet Robbie Krieger twice. Oh, that's and the last great. time, I, I actually got to him and I showed him the picture from 2015. Doing, hey, look, that's us. That's great. <laughs> and he told me, "Have you cut your hair?" <laughs> the first thing he said was a nice guy. He's a nice guy. I know that photo you're talking about. I saw that. I did see that share. That's awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. I had, I had a friend that um, came over from England. He's a, he's a Line 6 player, a Line 6 Helix user. He's going to be on my show this coming Sunday. But um, he, he w- w- went to NAM and he had jet lag really, 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 uh, really bad. Like to the point where he was, I think he was there for five days maybe, but it was really messing him up. Now, us for us to go to California, it was only a three-hour time difference. So the jet lag was actually in our favor. It made us like energetic. We wanted to stay up all night. But um, how long were you there, and did the jet lag have any effect on you at all? No, not at all. It's a it's a two hour difference from Peru, or three hour, I think. Is it not, really not too much? Wow. Yes, of course. Okay. It's, uh, actually, I think that where you are right now, and it's the same time, so what, that's kind of cool. What time is it's, it your place it, right now? Uh, twenty two fourteen. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because yeah, we're ten fourteen. That's hard to believe. Of course. But actually, I got to Nam to this Nam. I was pretty ill. Okay. I had I, I had a lot of an, antibiotics on me. So, <laughs> but there was no way I was not going to Nam. There was no way. 
But yeah, the first day I felt I felt like shit because I was so filled with the antibiotics and everything. But but it did well and everything was good and everybody was happy. So it was a mission accomplished. Did That's you get, how it turned. Did you get there on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday? I arrived then on Wednesday. Wednesday, yes, okay. Wednesday night. Yes. Have you heard this band, DAD? DAD. It's a Finnish band, DAD. No, I haven't. I'm so I'm sorry. Uh, there, are, there are several Finnish bands from the eighties. Okay. I don't know uh, Hanoi Rocks. Yes, I know that know name. Hanoi oh, Rocks. for sure I do. Hanoi Rocks and DAD, really awesome bands. I I don't know why they just came to my head because. They're really, really good bands, like underrated. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I don't know the DAD band. I'll have to look them up, but Hanoi Rocks for sure. They have a, a single that was pretty huge back in the 80s for what I've read that is called Sleeping My Dad Away. I, that's, I'll have to look that up. I'm going to look it up for sure. Really Can it be found it, on YouTube? A, what? Can it be found on YouTube? Yes, it oh. can be found on YouTube. Okay. It's really good really good I'll, I'll look it up for sure um listen i'm going to tell the fans here we're at 10, uh, 10 16 here we've got about 15 minutes before we wrap up and i didn't want people to think that you weren't playing today but we, because we don't have charlie connected with an interface to the computer we won't get the best audio but if you want to give it an attempt and, and give us a couple of uh, killer charlie riffs uh, if, if it's not too late for you to fire up the amplifier you can give us a shot okay i'll that's right, then. Yep. And 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 people watching, too, as well. Just keep in mind, too, that anything that comes through doesn't sound the best. It's just for the Skype audio. Yep. That sounded pretty good. I like that. <laughs> truly appreciate it, man. I truly appreciate it. So that guitar, I, I, that's what I wanted to mention, because you talked about having the 84, and because you're an EMG artist, you popped out the yes. pickup and put the uh, EMG and the 84 as well, too, didn't you? Yes. And and I got some uh, YouTube comments telling me that that was a, how do you say it, a sacrilege? Like right. crime? <laughs> But actually, that pickup, that EMG pickup, it's kind of an, a hybrid pickup. It's a, it's not as as active and as present as uh, Organi as the 81, mm-hmm. 85 pickups. The 57 and 66 is pretty much one of the best combos from EMG. I pretty much believe that it's one of their their master combos because. When you put uh, the volume low, mm-hmm. you actually can get clean tones. Nice, which is something that that you cannot get with other active pickups. I know it's either it's and, almost like full or nothing. Of course, yeah, yes, definitely. And uh, besides that, I think it's pretty. I've used these pickups for a Les Paul two mm-hmm. and for my eighty four, and I haven't had any issue. It's like uh, I think that the gain has got a little bit higher, a high, higher gain. But the thing is that if I just use the volume knob, it's that's it. That's pretty much it. So uh, I have absolutely nothing wrong, nothing bad to say about the 57 and 66 pickups. 
Uh, what I can say is that it, they are definitely not for gas. No. But <laughs> I pretty much believe that you can use them even for, I don't know, maybe for indie rock or maybe post-punk. Yeah. They're really, really good, good, good pickups. I don't, yes, a good pickup combo. I don't think you're going to see anyone like uh, John Schofield or anyone like uh, playing a Kramer 84 anyways for jazz. <laughs> I don't think so. And, and, and even... Even a uh, you know a smaller possibility to see them with an eighty four with EMG pickups. It's not. It's not yeah, hard. I can imagine. But that's the thing. People say it's sacrilegious, but the thing is, you're playing that guitar a lot. So is it sacrilegious, or is it is it the fact that you're putting quality time on that instrument and really breaking the instrument in, and it makes you play? So it's what works for you, right? It's not. It's not about heritage or it's about anything else. I mean, I see guys over in the EVH side because I, I work with the EVH gear as well too. And sometimes I question it and I look at him like, why would you do that? Someone takes, gets a, a brand new American Wolfgang or no, actually one of my buddies had a PV Wolfgang too. And a beautiful, beautiful American PV. And they put, took out the original pickups, which are amazing pickups. And they put Duncan's in. Duncan's are great pickups too. I have Duncan's too. And, and the Kramer's for that matter. Um, but it's almost like those pickups were so good. Why would you do it? But the thing is, who am I, who are we to question? Because we, our ears are different. Maybe that tone that come from that factory uh, wasn't what that person was hearing in their head. They put in the pickups, they're playing more guitar. That's all that matters. Of course. Actually, one of my, my best friend uh, who plays with me in Diphonia, he actually uses, uh, he is endorsed by Seymour Duncan. Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, <laughs> that's probably the only thing we, we don't have in common with our guitars because we play... Uh, we both play a uh, bees. Mm -hmm. We we both play last poles. We both play uh, string gosh ten fifty two. Wow. We both like Marshalls, and but we don't use the same pickups. It's the only thing that we have kind of different. And besides, he, he's got a great great tone, great uh, vibrato. He's he's a great kick as guitar player. He does not have an, uh, too many stuff online. Mm-hmm. But he, but we as Diphonia, we have a lot of music out there, so you can check him out. And he's a kick-ass guitar player. He's like pretty much a, a Sack Wild kind of guy. He's a Sack Wild, a Dime McDarrell. He's pretty much influenced by by those guys. Oh, that's that's good to know for sure. Well, before we wrap up, can you share with like some of the um, maybe some of the people that are like our age in the chat that are you know, maybe struggling with their playing or they they're in a rut or maybe it's some new players that want to get into guitar and they look at some some people like yourself as an influence. Can you recommend any tips, whether it be like get a metronome out and get some rhythm, any tips you can get to um, to start off in guitar and, you know, don't rush it. Don't put the cart before the horse, but become a good guitar player and maybe a few tips that you can just get them started. Uh, I think that being right now on um, year 2019, I think the best tip I can give to a guitar player in a way is that they have to record themselves. Okay. They have to record themselves and listen to the recording so they can have a more objective opinion on their play. So they can see what they're doing wrong and what they're doing right. So they can focus on, uh, on getting better at some things and getting even more better than what they're good at. And the other thing I think that uh, it's like a cliche, like telling someone to perse perseverance is like the basic thing of it all. In, in like the people that play hard rock and heavy metal music, 
we are destined to practice. We're destined to practice a lot because we're doing not that easy stuff on guitar. That's right. If we were, I don't know, sometimes I wish I was an indie guitar player, so I, I was not needed to practice so many hours. It's not that I don't like indie or whatever. I don't right. have nothing against it. I kind of I like it. I really do. But it's not the, the music style that I play. However, I can say that uh, people have to do things because of them, not for someone else. Because sooner or later, uh, what you do, it's going to grab people. You know, people are going to, you know, uh, how do you say it? They are going to, I don't know if the words buy it. Okay. Or yeah. they're going to listen to it yeah. and maybe support it and maybe go to the shows. And I think that it's all about passion. For guitar, it's all about passion. That's why people are so, people are, do not understand why people are so passionate about guitar brands or pickups or pedals. It's because it's a passion and you want your passion to be better and better and better. That That's why people are so geeky about it. I'm not that geeky, to be honest. I right. would love to be more into it. But I, I think it's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of the passion. The practice, constants, and doing things, you know, from the heart. That's a thing from the heart. That That's what counts. And have fun about it. Yes. I mean, I think that it's, you got to, you know, work really hard. But at the same time, you can party and you can get smashed face and everything. But don't forget to, to work hard. There's a time and place and for everything. Drink, and, and, and do not drink before the show because not everybody is... A biking so that's right that's pretty much that's right what i can say very very good advice excellent excellent advice to be honest and i'm glad that you mentioned about the recording yourself because that's something i've been doing and been kind of preaching since like back in the days of the 90s with video cassette we, you know nowadays we have our iphones and whatever we're taking videos of the band stuff like that but i mean i used to bring the camera the big cameras you put on your shoulder you're like like a newsman you know recording like VHS? yeah vhs oh yeah i, <laughs> I go way back but here's the reason why, because a lot of times I'm sure, Charlie, you, you know, you've probably played some stages and some festivals. You can probably walk off the stage thinking, oh, man, that was just ho- like horrible because I know we, everyone's had bad gigs and sometimes they're not as bad as what you think. Maybe you had backline provided for you that wasn't yours. You weren't in the comfort zone. You, maybe you were sick, whatever the case may be. And you thought you were absolutely horrible or one of your band members maybe thought they were horrible. And then you watch the video back and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. What was I thinking, right? So it, so that's a good helper to record yourself. Other times, I, I've said this on the show before too, is the fact that, you know, let's say you have a car that can only go 100 miles an hour on a really, really good day. It can only go 100 miles an hour. It's not going to go any faster no matter what. But all of a sudden, one day you're going down a hill, and there's wind behind you and your car is now going 120. And that car should not be going that fast, but for some reason it is. It's like a talent level a person can possess. When something's working for you, um, like, so record, 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 because you might watch something back and you're going to look at yourself and say, I can't do that, but I did it. How, how is that possible that I did it and analyze what you did? Uh, maybe you changed something with your technique of sitting or playing or standing. Maybe you changed your tone, whatever it was, analyze what you did and try and repeat that. And that works the opposite way with things where you fail miserably. Try to analyze that. So, so it's just like watching a football play at, in college, right? You know, what do they do? What do they do wrong here? Where's our defense when we need it? That kind of thing. Of course, I think uh, that's something that I've been doing for for years. Actually, recording every show, I try to record every show. 
Good. I have this little camera and I record every show and it happens to me. I say, dude, that was that was horrible. But then I watch it and I say, that wasn't that horrible. And there have been shows that I said, whoa, that was amazing. And I watch it and it's like, dude, that was fucking horrible. I know. <laughs> It goes both ways, but it is important. And, and at the same time, too, it is nice to archive that maybe for future family members. You can pass it on to generations as well, too. But in, in the, the, the simplest terms, is it does help you analyze where mistakes and good things happen. And, uh, you know, you get you get caught up in the moment sometimes. And it's, it is nice to have that record. It yeah, does. it's great. Well, well, listen, you've been a world of advice to us tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I feel much better now, now that it, the time zones are aligning. I thought for some crazy reason that you were like eight to 10 hours ahead of me. And I was thinking, man, that's really no, generous. Not at all. Not oh, that, that's good. So I'm very happy about that. Maybe what we'll do is um, towards uh, springtime here, which I guess we're kind of getting close to spring uh, here in Canada anyways. it's I know it's much warmer your way here, there. But uh, maybe towards, um, we'll say April or May, I'll reach out to you again. I'll get you back on the show. And maybe at that point, we can get you maybe hooked into a computer or something. And we'll get a really good audio feed from your place there, maybe a studio or a home or whatever. And then we'll get you to do some, uh, so a couple lessons for us on the show and teach us a couple things. It'd be great. Sounds great. I, I think that would be really fun. And you can kind of tell us. Yeah, and you can kind of tell yeah. us what's happened since that time and maybe any more developments with Kramer and maybe the secret project that you're doing with those guys. It'd be kind of nice to see. Yes, of course, awesome. of course. There's something big coming with, uh, well, I it's now I'm coming with uh, Luis Khalil, who is a great guitar player. He's a young guy from Brazil. He's a, a guitar virtuoso. He's a really awesome guitar player. He's, like, he's 19 years old. He's okay. awesome. Uh, I'm having two um, Anna Centine on bass. She's an awesome bass player. I have uh, Devadip Chunga on drums. He's a Peruvian drummer. He's really good. And, well, Jared Dines is on the album, too. So it's going to be quite a nice project. So I can I can wait to finish it and and share it with, with everyone. Well, that's going to be great. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. And when do you think, anticipate roughly that'll be done, approximately? May. May? Okay, good. Well, you know what? Let's let's try to time it right around the release, and we can come on back on and promote it, and, and we'll uh, uh, we'll have some fun with that. Yeah, I think that would be really awesome. I well, think that would be really nice. Absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, everybody in the chat here, uh, it feels like a Friday because I do a lot of these shows on Fridays. This is a Tuesday. I was going to say uh, have a good weekend, but we still got a few days ahead of us. But everyone, thank you so very much for tuning in tonight and watching this great, uh, uh, great guest, Charlie Power, here on Kramer Corner. And we invite you to tune back in. Actually, we will be live this Friday night again, 9 o'clock over in EVH. I've got Damon Johnson on the show. And then, of course, awesome. yeah, uh, Brother Kane and Solo. Um, and I've got uh, the Helix Hour, 3 o'clock Eastern on Sunday with Johnny Lee. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, a lot of people saying, uh, thank you for hosting this interview. What a treat. That's from Candace Clark. And Candace gave some nice comments earlier. So that was that was really awesome. Really awesome. This That's was a great crowd tonight. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And... Uh it was nice. I, I didn't thought my English was going to flow this way tonight. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. There's zero zero barriers whatsoever. And like I said, I, <laughs> thank I was, you so much. I truly appreciate it. I was worried because I'm, I talk fast and I get told that all the time. And I was going to try to talk slower for you tonight. And I don't think I did because I didn't want you to have a hard time, you know, understanding me. I, I understood. I understood you like I'm talking to any of my friends here. So you did phenomenal, and the guest did too. No one said, "Can you have him repeat that?" So it was all. It was all good. 
Awesome. Well, listen, uh, don't go anywhere. I'm going to say goodbye to you off the air. And everyone, thank you so very, very much for tuning in tonight. Uh, We look forward to seeing you uh, next time. Uh, If you're new here, don't don't, uh, leave without hitting that subscribe button. And I promise I will work just as hard to keep you as a subscriber as I did to get you. So I'd love to have you as a new subscriber and lots of nice new faces. And uh, you can uh, catch out more good content on the channel here. There's different platforms, different shows for everybody. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time right here. Until then, cheers. Hey, AVH Care TV and Eddie Van Halen fans. If you are like me, you find the time to read books difficult. Why not have it read to you? Grab one of three critically acclaimed Van Halen audiobooks like Van Halen Rising by Greg Renoff, Running with the Devil by Noel Monk, or Everybody Wants Some by Ian Christie, available right now from Audible. Sign up for a free trial with zero obligation to get any one of these three audiobooks today. You can cancel if you wish after your trial membership expires and keep the book. There are many other great titles to choose from as well. Links in the description below, but just remember audibletrial.com slash TV. Click the link below and go grab your first free audiobook. Thank you for listening to this edition of EVH and Gear TV. This episode is being brought to you in part by VanHalenStore.com. Shop VanHalenStore.com for the largest selection of official Van Halen merchandise and memorabilia. Be sure to check out our website at evhgeardiscussion.com for more updates and follow us on social media.